we're starting a new series. We, we've just finished a time in First and Second Timothy and Titus, and it's been probably, gosh, probably a year, well, probably going on two years or more since we spent time going through some red letters, right? So some of Christ's teachings, and we've been through some Old Testament and New Testament, some topical things. Um, so this morning, we are starting in the Gospel of John, and we're going to be here uh, for some time, not years and years and years, but we don't want to just spend eight weeks on uh, such a deep teaching as we see in the in the book of John. So we're, we're going to move but try not to skip if that makes if that makes sense. And so John's theme, each one of the gospels has a theme and John's theme is Christ. It, John's theme is Christ, the, specifically this divine Son of God. His book deals with signs Christ um, gives during his ministry, signs that prove his deity. John wants men, you and I, to believe Jesus Christ as Lord and receive new life through his name. And the first three Gospels are called synoptic Gospels, right? Okay, from, from this Greek word meaning seeing all together. And so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, or Matthew, Mark, and Luke all view the life of Christ in this similar way, each with its own emphasis. Matthew pictures Christ as the king of the Jews. Mark shows Christ as the, as the servant and writes more to the Romans. Luke views Christ as the son of man, writing uh, more to the Greeks. And John... John presents Christ as the Son of God and writes, ultimately, really, for the entire world. And while the first three Gospels deal primarily with the events in Christ's life, John deals many times with the spiritual meanings behind these events. And so he goes deeper and presents truths that aren't necessarily emphasized in the other Gospels. For example, all the Gospels record uh, the feeding of the 5,000, right? But only John gives this great sermon on the bread of life that we'll see in John 6. So it goes on to explain, not only share and, and capture that miracle, but it gives explanation and depth to what was going on there. And so uh, that's why many times John uses the word sign instead of miracle, because the sign is a miracle that carries a message with it. As we go through John, I, I want you to, to recognize that there are, are kind of a short list of words that he uses and are repeated throughout these chapters. Life, believe. Light and darkness, truth, witness, world, glory, receive, Father, come, eternal, everlasting. These words summarize the message that we are going to see 
in John. John emphasizes the person of Christ as well as his work. And he reports several sermons in which Christ talks about himself and explains his mission. In the book of John, there's seven I am statements of Christ. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. So these names, of course, speak of his deity, right? For, for God's name is I am. And as we read through this gospel, my prayer for us is that we come to realize that Christ is the very Son of God, right? Out of many miracles that Christ performed, John selects seven to prove his deity. These seven signs are even given, we understand, in a specific order, because in four, uh, in chapter 4, when recording, uh, it says this is again the second miracle, adding a, a, a series or a sequence to these miracles. So we, we see these seven miracles, and the first three signs show how some salvation comes to the sinner. Uh, we're going to see where Jesus turns water into wine in chapter 2 looking at salvation by the word. We're going to see healing of a nobleman's son, this salvation by faith. We're going to see healing of a paralytic, this salvation by grace. And then these last four really show the results of salvation in us, the believer. The feeding of the 5,000 5, is this salvation bringing the satisfaction Stilling of the storm in chapter 6, the salvation bringing peace. Healing the blind man in, in chapter 9, salvation brings light. And ultimately in chapter 11, the raising uh, of Lazarus, salvation bringing life. One of the major themes of John's gospel uh, is this conflict between faith and unfaith. Faith and unbelief. John begins with rejection on the part of Israel in 111, and we'll get to that. Finally culminating in the crucifixion. And throughout the book, you see most of the Jews refusing to accept the evidence, right? Growing harder and harder of heart in their unbelief. On the other hand, you also see this small group of people willing to believe in who Christ is who he's presenting himself out as the disciples, a, a nobleman, his family, Samaritans, paralytic, blind, blind man. And they ultimately come to an understanding and belief of who he is. And this same situation exists here and now. The world at large will not believe in Christ. But here and there, you will find uh, people who see the evidence Come to an understanding, accept him as the Son of God. 
the Jews begin their controversy with Christ. We'll see in chapter 5, after a miracle, and since Christ healed this man on the Sabbath. And in chapter 7 through 12, the conflict begins to come become more severe and more severe. And several times they try to arrest him. They try and stone him. And the climax comes really in chapters 18 and 19 when they arrest and crucify him. And so there's really these three crisis events that we see in the book, in the, the whole of Gospel of John. In chapter 6, when the multitudes leave him after wanting to make him king. In chapter 12, when the people refuse to believe in him. And in 19, when they crucify him. And the first, they want to make him king, yet they leave him. The second, they, they hail him as king, but yet reject him. And the third, they cry out, we have no king but Caesar. See, he is the way, but they won't walk with him. He is the truth, but they don't believe him. And he is the life, but they kill him. And so we come to John chapter 1. And the, I think these are some, one of the most special group of verses that we can read and, and, and try and understand in verses 1 through 5. So I've heard so many times people say, who, who is this Jesus? Who, who is Jesus? Do we really understand the, the awesome and splendor of our Lord. Do, have we really considered the true magnitude of who he is? See, to get this, to, to truly understand, to get a revelation of his glory should bring us into a place of, of healthy, of holy fear and reverence. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In these few short verses that we're going to cover, we're going to see four different, really, identifiers, these revelations of Christ. And first we see that he was in the beginning. Speaking of his external existence, he is forever. His kingdom, will, there will be no end, Luke tells us. Christ did not begin or come into existence in the stable with Mary and Joseph. Okay, He was since the beginning. What was the beginning? Well, I think John's alluding to Genesis 1.1. Before anything was formed, Jesus was. Before all time, before all existence, Jesus was. John goes on in, two, three, in verses 2 through 5. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. He was not created. He already was. Without him, there is nothing but darkness. 
Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. John 8 tells us, in verse 58, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Not just this person that we speak to now, but eternally existent. Revelation tells us time and time again, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Revelation 21.6, and he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. The Alpha, the Omega, beginning, the end, the first, and the last. He has always been. Without him, not only can we do nothing, there is nothing. And then we see that he was the Word. Existed the logos, meaning embodying this thought or concept. He was the word. I can't wrap my little brain around <laughs> this concept. Like, I, just the depth of this description. I, I, Adam Clark, a commentator and Bible scholar, wrote, Jesus, who is the fountain of all wisdom, who gives being, life, light, knowledge, and reason to all men, who is the grand source of revelation, who has declared God unto mankind, who has illustrated life and immortality by his gospel, and who has fully made manifest the deep mysteries which lay hidden in the bosom of the invisible God, from all eternity. John 1.14 tells us, And the Word we became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I love the message version of that, and I think I've shared before, Jesus, he was the word, and the word moves into the neighborhood. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The very thoughts, intentions, expression of God becomes flesh. And by the Holy Spirit, is still dwelling among us. Revelation 19, 13. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. 1 John 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the Word of life, the life of was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which has which was with the father and was manifest to us all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made 
Psalms 33, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all of the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Hebrews 4, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even in the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. We see that he was in the beginning. That he is the word. We also see that the word was with God. Speaking of his personality, he is the son. God is a triune being, part of this, of the Godhead. He identifies himself to us in three distinct personalities. Was with God significant, signifies that he had a conscience. It, this personal, personal existence distinct from God the Father. Colossians 2, 2, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. One God manifested in distinct personalities. It's a mystery of God. We'll, we'll just have to, to go to heaven and, and find out what this means when we're face to face. Because I continue again to wrap my mind around the Trinity, but we see in Scripture these three are one. Genesis 1, 26 tells us, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Now, God's not schizophrenic. He, he is the Father. He is the Son. And He is the Holy Spirit. 1 John 1, 2, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness, right? And, and declared to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Eternal life, Jesus was with the Father. He is this distinct personality. Matthew 28, 19, so go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we see Christ as always being. We, we see that he is the word. We see that, that the word was with God. And we see in these verses that the word was God. John 14 do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works 
themselves. Jesus, in John 8, 58, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you again, before Abraham, I am. And so God, just as God identified himself to Moses, I and my Father are one, he tells us. This is just within the, the first five verses <laughs> of John as we've opened this morning. John really begins this letter with probably the, the boldest, most comprehensive description of who Jesus is. Each one of these statements are building a revelation of who Jesus is. He is externally existent. He is the word. He is a distinct personality, but yet he is God. And so, obviously... The Holy Spirit knew that believers like you and I needed to begin understanding the magnitude of Jesus. To live a life of, of holiness, of reverence, of, of obedience, we need a revelation of the awesome glory of the Lord. Like we sang this morning in so many of our songs of worship. Speaking of his awesomeness. His jealous that he, jealousy that he has for us. This love that he has for us. This love that we re would reciprocate to him. He is a great and mighty Lord. He is Jesus. And so I sat really in awe of that and unpacked it just as for myself, just as we kind of went through different scripture. Um, this morning and I and I always try and ask myself okay now what or what is it like what what does that matter what like and it struck me um, and maybe maybe this is true in your life I've over the years, I've talked to talked to people, whether I work with them, whether I was in some type of class together, whether it's just been, a, you know, uh, recreationally or just friendships, um, sometimes complete strangers. Um, and there is a regardless of what is projected on the outside, there is a longing to be accepted 
There is a longing to be enough. There is a longing to feel apart. And so this morning, I just felt a heavy heart to tell, and I tell many people this, and it, I, I mean it. Um, no matter where you've been, you are bold. No matter where you think you are, you are courageous. You are loved. You are beautiful. You do have a place. And so it seemed very appropriate as I read through these scriptures to reflect on that because that is true through our Lord and Savior. We are enough. We don't measure ourselves or we don't define, allow the world to define who we are or how successful or unsuccessful or how together our emotions are or not together. And when I read these scriptures, it just leapt out at me that we are enough. We have a place. We have a father that loves us unconditionally. There's nothing that I can do to make him love me any more or to love me any less. And for many of us, we didn't grow up that way. And so I think this morning was just a, a glaring opportunity that I felt scripture was, well, just as Hubie opened this morning, it's a time. It's a time to reset. It's a time to realign our priorities. Because did you, did you grasp or at least begin to grasp those first five verses of John of who Jesus is? Do you understand that this God that was before all things, who is the Word, who is God, who is the Son of God, made you? He made you. Like regardless of our past, actually scripture tells us knowing full well of our person, our earthly person, he made us. Now, hopefully that doesn't freak you out because then I go, oh, my goodness, he knows this. And he, I mean, we read the scripture. He, he, he sees all, he knows all. But 
He wants that relationship with us. He wants to pour out grace. He wants to pour out mercy. He wants to pour out love. And so my, as we, my call this morning is that we would respond to that, maybe for the very first time. Maybe you struggle to feel that you're even worthy of being loved. I, I, we've all been in different situations throughout our lives. But I can tell you for a fact that you are worthy of being loved and you are loved. And so I would just urge you to come um, maybe for the first time to just give that over to him because it can I, I can just tell you in my life it can be a burden to think you have to do it on your own it is a weight that can literally paralyze you we want to be a place where we walk along with one another we want to be a, a, a church that we absolutely know without a doubt we're not perfect and I never want to project that any one of us, including myself, is anywhere close to that. But we want to walk, and we want to follow, and we want to be obedient to what we see in Scripture. And so we want to love those around us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God. just the message that you have this morning just the uh, this who jesus truly is um can knock us down like we we can't even grasp its depth until we are truly face to face with you and and, and we'll come into an understanding but our, our earthly brains can't rectify and can't reconcile But God, the beauty of this is we don't have to. We can come to an understanding. Your Holy Spirit can just lay in our heart a peace and an understanding of who you are. And it doesn't have to make earthly sense because you don't make earthly sense. We don't want to make earthly sense. We're not of this place. We are of you. And so we don't want to make earthly sense. We're told that, that, that we will be hated, we'll despise, we'll be turned away. But you will be enough. So don't allow us to, to replace you with things or, or substances or relationship or, or whatever we try and replace you with. God, I pray that you would be the only thing that fits in that vacuum that's in our heart. And so, God, come. Come in this place. Fill us up. Allow us to walk out of here and take steps each day to become more and more like you. But it's through your grace that we're even able to be able to do that. So I pray that for these, for our family here at Harvest. I pray that over every church in this community. Your grace is enough. Your mercy is enough. Your love 
we have the opportunity to be able to take communion and we have four different stations here around the, the gym um, to have the juice and, and the, the bread and this is just a time to be able to we see in scripture really to evaluate just to kind of it's a heart check a time to reflect a time to understand that sa that sacrifice that's been made on our behalf and so um, we have that opportunity to do that together this morning so i just invite you now to to come mm -hmm. 